Well, welcome, church, and it's so good to be together, isn't it? Man, in this time, we need the Lord. We need one another, and so we come to focus on God. We come to put our eyes and our attention on Him, and not on the problems and the things around us, but on God and God alone. Hey, last week, we had an incredible Easter. I mean, praise God. And the fact is, Jesus is alive. And everything in the world changed, and our lives are changed because God is with us and God is for us. And we know we'll never be alone. And so in the middle of all COVID-19 and sheltering in place and social distancing, praise God that he came near. (laughs) He came near to us. He sent his one and only son for us. And he promises, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So I don't know what you're facing today, but I want you to know this. There is a God who loves you. And there's a church that wants to be with you and to stand with you. And we've come today to focus on God. And I am so glad you're joining in today. Wherever you are, around the world or in our city, I'm so glad that God brought you here for a time such as this. Uh, You know, this morning or this afternoon, whenever you're watching, we are are beginning a brand new series. And and I'm excited about this series. You know, for many of us in this time of COVID-19, we're sheltering in place. And so many people were watching Netflix or Disney Plus, or we're catching up on movies or shows. And, and sometimes you get to the end of a show, and, and man, the show's like really good. And, and then it comes those words, right, to be continued. And you're like, what? You know, and in some ways you're kind of bummed out because you were getting to the climax and it was so great and you were into it. In other ways, you're like, this is awesome. I want more. Or when you're watching a great movie and you see this great movie and then you hear, man, they're coming out with a sequel and you're like, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. We're launching in today to the book of Acts, and we're in this series called We the Church, and we're going to study in the book of Acts how the church was born and the church came alive. And guys, this is the sequel. This is what it is. It's the sequel, right? I mean, we saw with the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, and we saw this incredible God moment, and we all said, hey, that's not it. There is more. And God was doing something more. God was doing something bigger. God was launching into this movement that has changed the world and changed our lives. It's the church. It's the church. And so we're coming off Easter in this amazing Easter series, and now we're launching in to the church in the book of Acts. And so I want to encourage you, if you have a Bible with you there in your living room or in your study or wherever you're watching uh, from today, I'd love for you to grab that Bible and open with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And let me just give you a little background here. You know, you're turning there, and you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, all talking about Jesus. And then you get into Acts, and Acts stands for the Acts of the Apostles, right? So these apostles that Jesus was pouring into for three years. And Acts was written over a period of 30 years. So around 33 AD, when Jesus was crucified, and then we're all the way to 63 AD. And we're going to see a lot of miracles that took place in the book of Acts. Over 30 different miracles are recorded in this movement of God that's happening right here. And you can imagine this time. I mean, it was a time of uncertainty. It was a a, a time of fear, but also an incredible time of excitement. We're in that same kind of time. You know, COVID-19, it stripped away a lot of things in our lives, right? Travel and money and sports and a lot of things that we kind of relied on. But what we're left with is the things that really matter. of God, family, community, and church. And that's what we're going to see unfold today. So pick up with me Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. It says this, 
In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Okay, so let me stop right there, okay? So it says in my former book. So what's that? Well, this is the writer is Luke. And so the former book is the Gospel of Luke, right? So that's volume one. This is volume two, right? That was the first. This is the sequel. He says in my former book, and Luke was a doctor, a physician. He was very wise, very precise in all of his details. And he says, my former book, Theophilus. Now we see Theophilus in Luke chapter 1, 2. He's writing to this guy, Theophilus. And a lot of biblical scholars kind of wonder, who is this guy, Theophilus? Uh, most people wonder if he was a, a Roman leader, a leader in the, in the government, a, a leader there who was wanting to know more about Christianity. And so he hired Luke basically and said, hey, go research it and study it, and I want to know. Uh, there's another way to look at Theophilus, and we'll see that in a moment here coming up. But, but Luke says, I wrote my former book, and now I'm going to tell you all the things that Jesus did then until the day he was taken up into heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So we know that Jesus appeared to over 500 people, right? After his resurrection, showed them the nail scars in his hands and in his feet and the spears in his side. You know, he showed them the mark there. There were many convincing proofs. And all these people going, Jesus is alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Remember, Jesus was crucified and resurrected at Passover and then it's 50 days to Pentecost. And so Jesus is here on this earth, these 40 days, pouring in to these apostles, to these disciples. And on one occasion, he was eating with them, and he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Oh man, this is incredible. Because Jesus has been talking to them about the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus told them, actually, in the Gospels, he said, I must go so that one greater than I could come. You're thinking, one greater than you? Are you kidding me? It's the Holy Spirit indwelling all believers. See, back in the Old Testament, if you wanted to worship God, you had to go to a physical place, right? You had to go to the tabernacle or to the temple. And then Jesus came along, and you could come and find God and worship wherever Jesus was. But now the Holy Spirit's going to come, and the Holy Spirit will indwell every believer. We become the hands and feet of Christ. And so these guys are like, wow, that's amazing. And then they gathered around him, and they asked, Lord, are you going at this time to restore the kingdom of Israel? It's kind of like a left turn, right? You see, they're still dealing with this as a political Messiah. They're still thinking in their mind, hey, you know, Jesus is doing all these things, but, but he's going to return Israel to a place of prominence. And Jesus is going, hold on, let me redirect you a little bit. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. They're already looking for the second coming, right? They're already looking for, hey, is Jesus, when you come back, this is going to happen. There's a lot of people who've asked me recently, like, hey, do you think we're in the end times, right? I mean, with plagues that are happening and tornadoes and and swarms of locusts in Africa. And, and I don't know, right? But Jesus said he doesn't even know. He doesn't know the time that the Father is going to send him back. But I know this, we're closer than ever before. And we're called to live in this time and to be watchful and to be ready and to be focused on things that matter. And then we come to verse 
8. And this is the pivotal verse of all of Acts. This is kind of the crux of it all. And Jesus, the last red letter words that we have recorded from Jesus right here. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. (laughs) Jesus commissioning them. Jesus blessing them and, and saying, this is what I've called you to do. Go be a witness Notice that. That's our calling. You go be a witness. You go tell about the things that you've seen and that you've heard. And here's how he lays it out, right? Start in Jerusalem, where you are. And the whole book of Acts follows this, right? Acts chapter 1 through 8 is all about, you know, in Jerusalem and everything that was happening there. And then you kind of go in 8 and 9 and 10, and you see Judea and Samaria. And then 10 through 28 is all about to the ends of the earth. All about to the ends of the earth. And so you see this pattern right here. After he'd said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Jesus ascends into heaven. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. So you can picture this scene right there on the Mount of Olives. They're there at Bethany, close to that Bethany area, and they're all just kind of looking up. Jesus ascends into heaven, and they're just, what do we do now, right? And they're standing there looking up, and these angels appear, and they say this. They said, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you saw him go into heaven. And they're just standing there, and these angels go, hey, man, you're not going to miss him when he comes back. He's going to come back in all of his power. He's going to come back in a way that you won't miss him. Now you go get to work. You go do what he's called you to do, what he's created you to do. You go live it out. You go be the church. (laughs) So then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, the Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And those presents were Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas, son of James. So notice this, all the disciples are there, except Judas Iscariot, right? I mean, but all the other, the 11 are there. And look at verse 14. They all join together constantly in prayer, praying together, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. I mean, think about this, this this band that's all together right here. You've got the 11 disciples You've got the women who followed Jesus, who were there at the cross, at the tomb, who saw him resurrected. You've got Jesus' mom and all his brothers. Now, what would it take for you to convince your brothers that you're the Messiah? I mean, you know, I mean, like these people saw a resurrected Savior. They're all coming together. And in this time of uncertainty, I mean, Jesus had been crucified by the Romans and the Jewish leaders. I mean, just like 40 days before, and they're huddled together, but they're not in fear. There is joy. God's doing something. And in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering 120. So 120, and Peter stands up. And I love this, guys. Peter, you may remember, he denied Jesus. Three times denied Jesus. But he didn't let the past define him. Jesus reinstated him. Jesus called him forward. All of us have made mistakes in the past. But the past doesn't define us. We are defined by Christ. And what Christ has called us to do. 
And Peter is the one, and you may remember it, in, in Matthew 16. Matthew 16, when Jesus was taking his disciples around, they went to Caesarea Philippi, and, and Jesus said, hey, who do men say that I am? And some of the disciples said, well, the talk on the street is that you're, you know, Elijah reincarnated, or you're John the Baptist, or you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. And Jesus goes, you are right, Peter. And upon this rock, the confession of your faith, I will build my church. And they're thinking, church? What's that, right? Because church meant like this organized group. It was koinonia, it was this body, the called out ones. And, and they were going, we don't get it. And he's like, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Peter stands up and goes, that's exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. And we're a part of it right here, right now. And he said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. So he's talking about this prophecy back that David wrote all the way back hundreds of years ago. All these Old Testament prophecies are fulfilled in Jesus and they all come true. With the payment he received, Judas that is, for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. And there he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about it. So they called the field in their language, Akelmada, that is the field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let no one dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord was living among us beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, from one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And so there were people who followed Jesus all the time. It wasn't just these disciples. There was a lot of people, women and men, who were following Jesus. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. And then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. <laughs> Guys, this is amazing. We are seeing the birth of the early church. We are seeing God working and moving in a powerful way. In a time of uncertainty, in a time of fear, God was doing his greatest work. And we are the church today. Hey, if you're taking notes wherever you are, I'd love for you to write some things down. Uh, you can go on version if you want to as well and follow along with some of the notes. But look at this. Acts is about God's work in his church. That's what Acts is about. Acts is about God's work in his church. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So Luke is saying, hey, there is a book before this, but it was all setting up what God was going to do in the world. Acts is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. And I want to encourage you, if you've never read the Gospel of Luke, hey, as we launch into this new series, 
Maybe take this week and just read. Just start reading through the Gospel of Luke so that you're ready as we come back for Acts chapter 2 next week. You can see the prequel, right? You can see what God was doing, sending his son, Jesus' teaching ministry, his healing ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and all that the Holy Spirit would come. Say, look at this. Acts stands for the Acts of the Apostles, but it should be the Acts of the Spirit because what you're going to see unfold is the Holy Spirit breathing life into the church and into each individual follower of Christ. You, you know, last week, it was amazing, and, and there were people who committed their lives to Christ for the first time. Praise God. And when you commit your life to Christ, whatever age you are, the Holy Spirit comes in you. It's the gift that God has promised to you, and the Holy Spirit becomes the God of your life. And you have this wisdom from the Spirit and so that's what we're going to see is the Spirit leads and guides the individuals, but also the church. Acts was written to you. Theophilus, many scholars believe maybe it was a person, but a lot of scholars also see this. Theophilus means lover of God, right? Theo, right? God, theology, study of God. Theophilus means lover of God. So if you're a lover of God, this letter, this book was written to you. God wants you to see this. God wants you to know this. This is how he's called us to live. Hey, Acts is mostly descriptive and sometimes prescriptive. Sometimes people come to the book of Acts and go, hey, it's just got to be exactly like this. But really, God's saying, this is what the church should be like. And the church is going to look different ways in different cultures and in different generations. God's going to use his church. But God gives us a blueprint there in Acts chapter 2. We'll see next week. Right? They would worship together. They joined together corporately. Then they would go into homes. They would have small groups. And so we see that's prescriptive. Hey, those are a part of us growing in fellowship and growing in worship. But we don't do things like cast lots anymore to decide who's going to be in leadership. We pray. And so you see this, that God is using this as this blueprint. Hey, here's how the church should be because I'm going to use my church for my glory. All right, notice this one. Jesus calls us to be his witnesses. He calls us to be his witnesses. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses. Notice that word. We're not his defense attorneys, right? We're not there to argue people into the kingdom. We're just there to say, hey, this is what God's doing. We're just there to say, look what Jesus has done in my life. Look what Jesus has done in my marriage. What Jesus has done with my family. Look at what he's doing. We're called to be witnesses. Then, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. <laughs> hey, Jerusalem, the home where you live. He says, start at home. Start right where you live. Start at home. Start in your city, your community. And for us to live that out as a witness. You know, for a lot of us, we've kind of got a lot of time at home right now, right? And I just want to encourage you. This is the time that you pour into your marriage or to your children. This is the time that we become, hey, people who are passionate about Jesus. Hey, I want you to know Jesus. I want to pour into you. I want to help you grow. This is the time with your roommates. This is the time for us to look around and say, God, how can you use me right here, right now? Jerusalem, the home where you live. Are you lifting up Christ there? Hey, Judea, your community, right? You got Jerusalem, you got Judea, the, the community around you know, for a lot of people, they're out taking walks right now. It's a beautiful time, and you're meeting your neighbors. And you start to develop these relationships about, God, how can you use me as my neighbor? 
How can I take a meal? How can I pray with them? How can I encourage them? How can I say, hey, if you need something, let us know. This is the time that we can have the opportunity to step in to our community. Hey, Samaria, right? A different culture. Sometimes we get locked into people who are just like us. We spend a lot of time with people who are just like us. But Jesus was calling us to go out. Jesus was calling us to go to people who aren't just like us. Jesus loves all people. That's what we see at Easter, right? That's what we see, that God loves all people. It doesn't matter about race or gender or socioeconomic status. He loves everyone, and so should we. And then to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth, international missions. You know, as a church, we're passionate about international missions. And through Justice and Mercy International, we go to the Amazon, we go to Moldova, we go to South Africa. We, we go all over the world. And we're in a time right now where we can't really travel, right? We're kind of looking at the summer and going, right, what's going to happen? We have all these mission trips scheduled. But even if we can't travel, there's ways that we can be a witness. You know, we can go to, through Justice and Mercy International. We can sponsor a child. You can sponsor a child in Moldova and, and for like 35 bucks a month. Man, we can make a difference in that child. You know, you can give food bags in the Amazon. This is the time that we can step in and say, hey, we may be hurting here in the United States, but think about around the world, people who live on less than $2 or $4 a day. Man, there are people who are hurting, and we can make a difference. Let's be engaged. Let's be witnesses for Christ right here, right now. Look at this, number three. The church is not made up of perfect people, but people united in Jesus. I love that. People united in Jesus. Jesus. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. They all joined together constantly in prayer, right? They're joined together in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. These guys were joined together. The confession of our faith is Jesus is Lord. That's the church. The church is people who said, Jesus is my Lord. And I confess that with my heart. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to trust him. And you see God bring people from all different backgrounds. I love what God's doing here at Rolling Hills because there's people who've come from all over this country. And God's brought us here for a time such as this. And what unites us is this confession. Jesus is Lord of our life. And we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. Hey, don't let money or anything else become more important than Jesus. Don't let money or anything else become more important than Jesus. And what we see with Judas, Judas, man, he became after money. And money became his God. And he ran after and he sold out Jesus for this. And he lost his place. Everybody else is a part of this thing. And Judas lost his place. You're just thinking, oh, man, there are consequences to sin. But let's keep Jesus first. Keep Jesus first. The importance of engagement in the church. You know, I love how the disciples are standing there looking up, and the angels have to come and go, hey, come on, guys. He's called you to do this. He's called you to live it out, you know. Don't just stand there looking at the sky. We can spend all of our time trying to figure out when Jesus is coming back. We can spend all of our time focused on other things, but Jesus calls us to engage. This is our time to make a difference. Every Christ follower is essential to the body of Christ. Every Christ follower has a gift. You have a gift. God's given you gifts. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, he gives you gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. 
We don't all have the same gifts. Some people have the gift of, of leading worship. I don't have that gift, right? Some people have the gift of serving. Some people have the gift of hospitality. Everybody's got a gift. Uh, I walked in the other day at our house, and, and my daughter, who's 16, uh, she turned 16 today. Today is her birthday, my oldest daughter. And, and I looked over, and she is on her phone, and she is doing a Zoom call with 20 of her third grade students from church. And she's just beaming, and she's so excited. And I'm like, this is awesome. And she's they're going through a lesson and everything else, and she gets off the call, and she's like, Dad, I just love my third graders. And I'm like, that's amazing. And, and I love our church because we give people this opportunity through family ministry to, for high schoolers to pour into elementary students and say, hey, I just want to encourage you. I was just there not long ago, but you focus on Jesus, and you grow in the Lord. And see, everybody's got a role to play everybody's got a role to play. And we look at our gifts sometimes, we go, God can't use me. Oh, yes, he can. And he will. We can't do everything, but we can all do something. We're all essential to the work that God's doing in his church. Hey, God works in the world today through his church. Don't miss this. God works through his church. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Look at that. Lord, you know everyone's heart. And the sovereignty of God, he knows what's going on in our hearts. Show us which of these two you've chosen to take over this apostolic ministry. God has a plan and a purpose for his church. You know why? Because God's got a plan and a purpose for you. That's right. And God's plan is that you're a part of a local church, that you're a part of a body of believers who are making a difference for the glory of God. And God is using his church. He's using his church today. The church is the vehicle God uses to accomplish his work in the world. I mean, think about this. It was churches that were the ones who started hospitals. It was churches that were the ones who started hospice. It was churches that were the ones who started orphanages. It was churches that were the ones who started soup kitchens. In the hardest times, in the difficult times, God does his greatest work. And God uses his church. And God calls us, right, to be the church. Hey, the church is not a building, but the body of Christ. The church is not a building, but the body of Christ. Now, I can't wait till we get back to our campuses. I can't wait till Rolling Hills, Nolensville, and Nashville, and Franklin, and we're all in these places that are amazing. But just remember, it's not the building. We grow up, and we even teach our kids this little thing, right? We kind of go, here's the church, here's the steeple, Open the door, there's all the people, right? But what we're saying is, here's the church, it's a building. No, 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 it's the people. The church is the people. The church is us, joined together for the glory of God in a time that God wants to use us. We are the church, the body. Hey, we are the church. And God is moving today in a mighty way. You know, we look at our circumstances today, and what we see is, is when pressure comes, right? Pressure develops character. But pressure also reveals character. Reveals who we are and what we believe and who we trust in and where our faith really is. And I believe in this time, God is growing his church and using us. Winston Churchill, it was June 18th, 1940. World War II was full-blown right then and there was the Battle of France that was raging, and Winston Churchill had become the prime minister. And he had only been the prime minister of the United Kingdom for about one month. 
And he stood up in the House of Commons and he gave this speech. And he looked at them and he said, guys, this is our time. This is our time to, to engage. This is our time to, to be passionate, diligent, and to go all in. And he gave this incredible speech where he said this. He said, but if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. Let us therefore brace ourselves for our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will say this was their finest hour. This was their finest hour. Wow. Guys, I believe this. We're looking at Acts, and we're looking at the early church, and we're seeing this was their finest hour. In the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of fear, I mean, Jesus had been crucified only 40 days earlier, but they came together through the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and said, we'll be the hands and feet of Christ. We'll bring hope to the light, to the darkness. We'll bring help. We'll bring the love of Christ. We will be the ones that God uses for his glory. Let me tell you something. I believe with all my heart, this will be our finest hour. As God's church today, I believe this will be our finest hour. Rolling Hills Community Church, God is doing something bigger than we can see. Last week, we had Easter. And it was a different Easter than any of us thought. We thought we would be in our new buildings. We thought we would be there celebrating and worshiping Jesus. But, but there were other plans that were happening. And in the middle of social distancing, in the middle of shelter in place, God gave us the opportunity to be on channel four. God gave us the opportunity through technology to be in people's homes, through our online campus. And I want you to know this, as we went back and, and looked at the number of devices and looked at the number of households, we estimate, by God's grace, between 25 and 35,000 people watched our Easter service last week. Praise be to God. When we saw 28 people in the chat room alone who raised a hand and committed their lives to Christ, we could have never scripted this. It's God and God alone. And in this time, I believe God wants to use you. God wants to use us. You know, what's been amazing is to, to look on social media and see the things that are happening. And we got some pictures just of some things that are going on right now and watching Children seeing there at the TV and they're worshiping and their parents are putting it on TV and they're saying, hey, check out family ministry. You can grow in your faith now. And, and to see kids there participating with their classrooms and, and to watch them pray together. I mean, it's just unbelievable. See dads baptizing their sons. To watch life change happening. This happened two weeks ago in a pool down the street. I mean, just people's lives being changed. Seeing people join in community groups. And watching one another come together, people sharing communion with families, and people walking together and growing together deeper in their faith and deeper in relationships. To see people serving and to see the church being generous and all of us giving together so that we can make a difference through shower up, or through the bridge ministry, or through food bags, or through sponsoring children. Guys, this is our time. This is our opportunity. And for all of us to join together to make a difference right now, guys, we are the church. We are the church. And you and I have an opportunity right now to grow deeper in our faith, 
to grow stronger in our marriage, or in our future marriage, to grow deeper in our relationships with others. You and I have the opportunity right now to be the hands and feet of Christ in a world that desperately needs God, in a world that's crying out for help and for hope. And this is our time. And I pray this will be our finest hour. Maybe for you right now, this is going to be your finest hour. Right now, you just want to say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I've been scared. I've been afraid. But right now, God, I want you to come into my heart. Right where you are. You bow your head and say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are Lord. Forgive my sins. Redeem me. Restore me. Make me yours. But maybe for you, you, you just know God's working in your heart. And maybe you've been kind of standing on the sidelines looking up and God's just saying it's time to engage. It's time to engage. And for you to pour in to to the people in your home, for you to be the husband or the father God created you to be, the wife or the mom, the grandparent, the roommate, the son, the daughter, this is your time. And I pray when we look back, we go, that was the time that God developed character in me But God also revealed what was really important to me. This was my finest hour. I want to invite all of us just to pray, to bow your head wherever you are, in your bedroom or you're in your living room or your study. And let's just go to the Lord right now. This is between you and God. So Father God, I pray that you would meet us right here. I pray, God, that you would draw close to us, that we would feel your presence. I pray that, God, this would be our finest hour that you would grow us deeper in our faith, stronger in our love for you, that you would grow us stronger in our marriage or or even our future marriage one day. God, you're preparing our hearts. God, that you would grow us as parents or as grandparents, as sons or daughters. God, that you would move in a mighty way in us right here, right now. And I pray for us as your church. God, don't let us stand around and just look up into the sky. Let us be engaged. There are people around us that need you, Father. So let us start at home and then in our community, Father. Let us be generous and to give back and to invest. God, we love you, and we are your church. Use us, God, for your glory. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.